All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? You guys doing good? Awesome. Cool. Well, how about this fall weather? Oh, my gosh. BG finally hit fall. So excited. Anyone coming down with any sicknesses or anything like that? Anyone? I got a little bit of a cough going, so it's okay. But... God's getting us through it. It's okay. But, um, but anyways, um, guys, if you don't know me, my name's Joe. I'm on staff with H2O. If you're new or visiting, we just want to say welcome. We are so excited to have you here with us um, at our family gatherings. Um, it, if you don't know, we're in a series right now called Enemies of the Heart. And this series is based on a book by Andy Stanley of the same name. And it's designed to really help us engage with some emotions that we have as human beings and how some of these emotions can really become enemies to us. And some of the emotions that we'll be talking about, there's four of them, anger, unforgiveness, greed, and jealousy. And these emotions undermine our relationships and cause really distance between us, God, um, and other people as well. And so, um, and where these emotions really begin is in the heart. And this morning, the enemy of the heart that we're going to be talking about today is jealousy. And so jealousy is one of those, you know, emotions that we don't really like admitting that we deal with. Uh, it's something that I think we see really clearly in children. Um, I know when I was a kid growing up, I had my cousin who always got all the toys. Anyone had a cousin like that who always had all the toys, all the things you wanted? Um, so I'd go over his house and I'd just be like, oh, I wish I had that Transformer toy. And I'd be thinking about it so much and coveting that. Um, and kids definitely struggle with jealousy, but it doesn't stop when you're kids, as you know. It continues as you get older. And I think as we get older, jealousy gets even more and more sophisticated where we start making even excuses for our jealousy. And so maybe we're jealous of our friend's hair or the nicely trimmed beard that you see in others. I know that can be something people are jealous of in me. But, or maybe it's that one student that always gets the good grades in class. And I, I've seen jealousy too, just firsthand, how it can affect people in our community and in our church. Um, I've seen people jealous of also coworkers um, and friends as well. And with the rise of social media, jealousy even increases too. You know, you can be swiping through Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat and see a bunch of friends hanging out and wondering, man, why didn't they invite me? Am I not good enough? Did they not care about inviting me and start feeling jealousy about that? And I've seen jealousy destroy roommate relationships where roommates can become very jealous of others for romantic relationships or maybe a guy's friend has a job while he's still looking for jobs. Um, athletic jealousy as well. And ultimately, jealousy is about feeling like we don't measure up to others and allowing motion, emotions to take us over. And many times with jealousy, again, we'll, we'll try to make excuses and we won't say, oh, I'm jealous. What we'll say is, man, he spends way too much time with his girlfriend. That's a problem. Or we won't say, I'm jealous. We'll say, they just spent way too much money on those clothes or on that car. Or I'm not jealous. My boss just doesn't really respect me as much as they do other employees. It's so destructive, and it can really weigh us down without us knowing. And one thing, um, when I was reading through Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart, this, these last couple of weeks, it really hit me. Um, and he showed me, and, and we'll talk about this today as well, a new perspective on jealousy that I didn't even see before. Um, one thing Andy Stanley talked about was jealousy ultimately says this. It ultimately says, and you can write this down, that God owes me. 
Jealousy ultimately says, God owes me. And he explains this um, in a quote I'll read for you. He says this, quote, When we think about jealousy or envy, we immediately think of the things others have that we lack. This can be their looks, skills, opportunities, health, height, inheritance, etc. We assume our problem is with the person who possesses what we lack. But let's face it, God could have fixed all of that. Whatever he gave to your neighbor, he could have given to you too. And besides, you don't really want your neighbor's car. You want one just like it. You don't mind the fact that God provided him with one. The problem is that while God was passing out new cars, he skipped you. Jealousy is a big deal, and ultimately our problem is with God. And that's our big idea today, if you want to write this down. Our big idea is this, that jealousy is a sign of our frustration with God. I'll say it again. Jealousy is a sign of our frustration with God. And Stanley continues with saying how we don't notice this. We don't notice that really we're frustrated with God because he's the only person that can fix it. Um, And so we end up pointing our emotions and our frustrations at the other person. Because the bottom line is this. From our perspective, if we were smarter, more athletic, better better looking, a better speaker, more popular, charismatic, funny, richer, I don't know, our life would be better. And the only person who can fix that in reality is God. And so we, we hold this jealousy in us, and it can, jealousy can turn very quickly into resentment. And we start getting frustrated with other people and start building up our emotions and hate towards other people. And it begins creating a wedge where we start not even wanting to talk to that person because of how frustrated we are with them. Jealousy is very destructive. And James, the brother of Jesus, um, he talks about this and how destructive jealousy is. And he says in um, James 3.16, he says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile or evil practice. And I think that's just so true, that jealousy, where jealousy exists, so many evil things can happen starting from our hearts. And I think this message, as I was praying and thinking about this message, I think this message is so valuable for all of us in this room. And I want to speak to some people specifically. Um, for those of us who would call H2O our home church, and maybe we would say we're leaders in H2O, um, I've been a part of H2O for nine years, and I've seen firsthand how jealousy can destroy relationships, it can harm life groups and communities, and it can har- harm just so many friendships that have been developed because jealousy not being managed. And the reality is Satan wants to come in and create dysfunction. He's going to use our emotions to do that. And so we need to be on guard and careful that we're not letting our emotions and jealousy get a hold of us and ruin friendships. Secondly, um, if you're checking out or visiting H2O for the first time, I don't know your experiences or your background. I just Again, I want to say welcome. And, you know, maybe this is something that is true to your life. Maybe you've dealt with jealousy and resentment in your life. And I want to say that H2O, um, we value openness, we value honesty, and we value helping each other through these problems. And so hopefully this will be really encouraging and engaging for you as we're engaging how to continue to grow past jealousy. And then finally, if you're 
in this room and you wouldn't currently identify as a follower of Jesus or if you're investigating the Christian faith, I want to say, and I want you to look internally in your heart right now, I bet you you're already living in jealousy and you don't even know it. I bet you jealousy has already taken, consumed uh, your life and maybe you don't even know there's another way to live. And I'm telling you, there is another way to live. Jesus offers us another life and another opportunity to live in freedom and not have to live in jealousy. And so this morning, we're going to really focus on how we can grow past jealousy and into freedom as well. <clears throat> and so the way we're going to do that is we're going to really dissect this problem. And we're going to study um, a guy named Saul. And we're going to look at his story in the Bible, and we're going to see how, through his life, jealousy um, can really destroy his family friendships. Also, jealousy can destroy so many other relational aspects in our life. And understanding this dynamic, you'll be free to quit blaming others externally and find the source of the problem in your heart. And so we're going to look at this guy, Saul, and how he dealt with jealousy and really how it led to his downfall. And we're going to look at three ways he struggled with jealousy, through his competition with others, through selfishness, and through insecurities. So we're going to look at it through competition, selfishness, and insecurities. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Samuel 18. That'll be where we're at for today. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one around you. Also, we'll be having the verses on the screen. So 1 Samuel chapter 18. Okay, so in this passage in the Bible, we're picking up with the life of Saul. Saul, just to give a little context, he was the first king of Israel. Um, but Saul was a very unfaithful king. He didn't listen to his counselors. He didn't listen to God. And by result of that, um, God ended up telling him that he was going to take away the kingdom from him and give it to another person. And so without Saul knowing, um, God sent the prophet Samuel to anoint David. And David's a guy we talked about a lot this summer in our psalm series. And he said, David, you're going to be the future king of Israel. And so Saul didn't know this, but at the same time, Israel was fighting this battle with the Philistines. And one of the Philistine um, warriors wanted to fight Israel's best warrior. And this guy was named Goliath. And um, Goliath was really strong and nobody wanted to fight him. And the only person with enough courage to do it was David. And so David fought him and he defeated Goliath and he grew very popular in Israel. And so Saul gave him a lot of authority in the army, and he won many more battles. And on one of those victories, David was returning to Israel, and the people celebrate him. And we'll see this in verse 7 if you want to pick up the reading there. And it said this in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 18. And the woman sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. So when this happened, Saul heard this, and he became jealous and angry. And the verse continues in verse 8, and he says this, um, They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and they have ascribed to me 
thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And it says, Saul, I, David, from that day on. So in this passage, the people are praising David. They're, gonna, they're saying, Saul, you know, David has struck down ten thousands, but Saul's only struck down thousands. Um, and so, you know, Saul gets very insecure about that. And then, then it says in verse 10, um, the next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house. And while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day, Saul had a spear in his hand. And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I'll pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. And Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. So Saul was very jealous, and he tries to throw a spear at his dinner guest, which is really weird. I don't know if anyone's been had a spear thrown at him, but that's really weird to have that happen um, when you're down to dinner. Um, but I guess that happened back then. But the point is, Saul was very, very jealous. And the root of his jealousy and how it was playing itself out was through competition. And what competition says is, I want to be better than them. Competition and comparison is all about the ups- trying to be better than the person around you. And, you know, competition in itself isn't bad. It's not bad to want to continue to grow and better yourself. But when competition becomes obsession, that's a problem. And when you're constantly comparing yourself with the person next to you, that's not good. And that's what happened to Saul, and he acted out on it. Now, why would he try to kill him? Um, well, going back to the book of James, James kind of lays out the heart reason why Saul would have acted on this. And it says in James 4, verses 1 and 2, it says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. So this is saying here, you had fights and passions within you, and so you act on it, and you fight with those around you. You want something, but you can't get it, and so you murder. And this is an extreme example, um, but I think the principle is sound is that jealousy unmanaged causes us to hurt others. Andy Stanley, he's talking about this passage, and he says that murder is a hyperbole, but it's interesting when you think about it that when somebody in real life actually gets murdered, the first people investigators start with are the person's family and close friends. Because often when we're jealous, it can go against the people that we're closest to and it causes us to act out in really hurtful ways. And, you know, um, I don't know if you've experienced this growing up, but siblings, I think, can fight. Uh, very often, especially about petty things. And it's never about the actual thing you're fighting about. There's always a deeper issue to it. And me and my sister, my sister was only a little bit younger than me growing up. And when we would get jealous towards each other and we would compete and argue, um, my sister Nikki was really good with her words, like really good with her words. And she would just cut you down with, with the right words. Anyone experience that? Like a friend or family member that does that can just say the right thing and just gets at you. So me, I'm not quite as eloquent as Nikki, and so I didn't know what to do, so I would kick her. (laughs) Anyone do that? (laughs) They don't know what to do, so I'm just going to kick. Thankfully, my parents got me out of that. Um, but, But I think jealousy causes us to do really dumb things. More popular example, I don't know if any of you remember the story of Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Hardy. Any remember that story? Um, 
This is from the 90s, um, a little background. Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Hardy were figure skaters and they were competing in the Olympics. And they were competitors, they were actually competing for the same medal. And um, along the way, uh, Tanya Harding was getting very jealous of Nancy Kerrigan and her abilities. And one day, um, Nancy Kerrigan was attacked. She was hit with a bat and actually broke her leg. Really crazy. Um, I think there's a photo up there as well um, that kind of shows this. Um, and it was a huge investigation, huge media scandal. It was crazy. And what they, the investigators end up finding out that um, Tanya Harding's ex-husband was the one who was primarily involved in harming um, Nancy Kerrigan. And Tanya Harding says that she wasn't involved with it, but she did plead guilty to obstructing the investigation. Um, and regardless, here's the reality, whether it was Tanya or her supporters, somebody saw Nancy as a competition that needed to be eliminated. And in order to do that, they tried to get rid of her. And so Tanya wanted what Nancy had and it ultimately destroyed her chances um, and she was actually eliminated from figure skating because of this scandal. And, and I think this goes back to the reality that competition causes us to do crazy things. Um, and maybe we won't, you know, break legs or try to kill people um, like Tanya and our friend Saul, but um, I think it can cause us to do really silly things. Maybe we'll bully others. Maybe we'll spread rumors about people. Maybe um, we'll cheat, maybe we'll lie. Whatever it is, jealousy can rear its ugly head in, into our lives um, because of that desire to succeed, that desire, that obsession within us. And it can cause problems, it hurts people. And again, like I said, you know, it's not bad to wanna to continue to get better, uh, but if I came up to you one day and I said, hey, I wanna be a great basketball player. In fact, I wanna be better than LeBron James. You would tell me, Joe, you're crazy. That's never gonna happen. You don't have the height, you don't have the skills, you don't have the genes. There's no chance you're gonna be better than LeBron James no matter how hard you work. And I'd be like, you're right. <laughs> There's no chance of that. And it, it's, it's good to continue to wanna grow and get better, but we've gotta be aware of the fact that there's always gonna be someone better than you at something. And that's okay. We need to be at peace with that, that you know, there's people that are just going to be better and, and live with the fact of that. And what's sad about Saul is rather than dealing with that and being at peace with it and going and dealing with his heart, he tried to eliminate his competition. And I think we do that as well where we are so focused on the competition, we forget what is happening in our hearts and we don't go to God to ask him for help. And the consequences for that, Saul lost to David. He lost the kingdom to David anyways, and he still lost his heart by result of that. And it's a sad story, and it continues as well, because Saul's jealousy first showed up through his competition in comparison with David, but it continues through his selfishness. So that's the next point we'll talk about is selfishness. And so when you look at Saul, there's numerous examples of his selfishness. Um, and he was taking this out on family as well. His son, Jonathan, he was talking to him. Um, Jonathan was trying to defend and protect David. And he, Saul said to Jonathan, he said, for as long as this son of Jesse, that's David, lives on the earth, neither you or your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me 
for he shall surely die. So Saul was obsessed, and he became very, very selfish. In fact, um, Israel was fighting um, a battle and wars with the Philistines at the time, and so Saul diverted his attention towards the battle for the nation to go hunt down and chase after David. And they went on numerous campaigns trying to chase him down. And this was selfish. Um, in fact, I think selfishness says it's, it's all about me. It says this, my feelings matter most. So Saul put his feelings way ahead of what was best for the nation because of his jealousy. James uh, chapter 4, verse 2 says this, You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Meaning this, that you know we fight and we try to obtain things, but you can't, and so you fight and quarrel even though you covet. And, and as I was reading um, An Enemy is a Heart, Andy Stanley really hit this really hard that we can be really selfish. And many times we make choices, often not just because it's the right decision, but because it is the decision that matches our internal desires. We make choices based on meeting our needs at times. And so humility and openness is, is trying to find out what's the best situ solution to every situation. But at times when we get jealous and selfish, it can cloud our judgment and we can fall into thinking more about ourselves than other people. And I've seen numerous examples of this. Um, I've seen situations where um, in weddings, for examples, um, bridesmaids will get very jealous about the bride getting married that they'll cause conflict. And, and make the wedding about them rather than about the couple getting married. I've also seen situations where parents will scream at coaches because their kids aren't being put in the game, and they'll feel jealous about their kids, even though maybe their kid isn't quite as good as the other children. I've seen also where situations where maybe someone has a crush on someone else, and they see that person in a relationship with someone else, and so they get jealous and create conflict because of that jealousy. This is a problem. Again, selfishness clouds our ju judgment. It doesn't put the interests of others first. It puts our interests first. Um, one situation or uh, illustration I love um, to go back to in a movie I really love too that I think points this out really well. Who, are there any fans of The Matrix in this place? Any fans of The Matrix? Okay, a few of you. Love The Matrix, great movie. Um, if you don't know, just a little synopsis, The Matrix is a film set in a dystopian future where robots have finally taken over and um, they capture humans and put them in these pods. And basically what happens in these pods is um, human beings' my brains are uploaded to this mainframe. And they're basically in this prison but living in a different world. Um, and so throughout the movie, people try to break free from The Matrix, that's the world um, that people are in and enter the real world. And one of the freed characters in the film is a guy named Cypher. And uh, Cypher was a guy who was in love with this girl named Trinity. But Trinity is actually in love with the main character, Neo, quite the love triangle throughout the film. Uh, and uh, Cypher gets very angry and jealous at this, and so what he decides to do is betray his team. And he decides to go against his team um, in order that he can have his mind erased and go back into the matrix and live, from his perspective, a happy life. 
And so he betrays his team, and um, it doesn't succeed because he ends up paying for his betrayal, um, but not before many people on his team die. Um, and I think what this story shows me is, you know, Cypher's feelings to him were most important. And he felt like, man, if I can't get happiness, if I can't get what I want, no one else can. And it's destructive. And I think at times this can be very similar to us, um, where if we get selfish and we can't get what we want, we'll make others suffer so we get it. But the reality is, and this is what happened to Saul, people saw right through him and turned their backs on him. And when we're selfish, people can see that and they will drift away from you. So the very thing you want, actually you lose it even more by being selfish. Selfishness doesn't bring us any closer to the things that we want. And the foundation of Saul's selfishness and what everyone saw in Saul was this. They saw through Saul's actions that he was insecure. And that's our final point today. Saul was jealous due to his insecurities. Saul was insecure um, by the popularity of David. Um, he was insecure because God was blessing David. He felt that he wasn't good enough. And what insecurity really ultimately says is this. It says, I am afraid. Insecurity says, I am afraid. And a couple of reasons for that that we can take from Saul's life. Um, first is, um, if you remember back at 1 Samuel 18.8, Saul said this. Um, after they sung this song about David, he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul was fearful to lose the kingdom. And then secondly, um, Samuel, now the prophet, said to Saul at another occasion, he said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king over Israel. So Saul saw himself as small, that he wasn't good enough. And those are the two reasons why we can fall in insecurity and how it happens. It can be because we're not confident in who we are or we feel like we're losing something. And that's how Saul felt about David. And, you know, often, you know, insecurities can come up in your everyday lives, whether if, you know, your spouse or your... Um, significant other or, you know, a girl you're interested in or a guy you're interested in, if you see them talking to someone else on the other side of the room, some insecurities can come up, some jealousy can come up. Or some people may be afraid to open up to others for fear that they'll be rejected and the person will move on to someone else. And so for Saul's situation, he saw a competitor and he was afraid to lose everything. And rather than going to the source, going to God, he tried to hold on to it by being jealous. And and I've seen this, too. I, I grew up going to churches um, where jealousy and insecurities can really play themselves out. Um, in, old church, in some older churches, not always um, specifically, when a new church is planted down the road, um, there are two things that happen with other churches. Either they'll be, uh, the churches that are already established will be really welcoming and loving, and the pastors will be really welcoming and loving, or some pastors can be really insecure and possessive of the, their people, and they'll think, man, they can't leave, they're my people, and they're going to go to that church now, and, and that's just so wrong, because the truth is we don't own anybody. We own nothing. We are only to live out and to work what God has given to us, and Saul forgot that, and when insecurities come, we forget 
that we don't really own anything. We just need to be faithful stewards with the things that God has given us. And a counterexample to Saul was his son, Jonathan. Um, Jonathan was actually next in line to be king, but Jonathan saw what God was doing and acted on it and actually followed along with God and became a very good friend to David. And Jonathan actually said to David in 1 Samuel 23, 17, he said, do not, he said to David, do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, knows this. So Jonathan was very secure. He wasn't afraid to lose anything because he, know, he knows that he didn't need to worry about that. And he was confident in himself to build up and affirm David. And so with insecurities, we need to do the same. We need to affirm others around us and try to and be secure in knowing that God loves you. God cares for you. And, and accepts you, and ultimately, too, we don't control anything. We just need to be faithful stewards with what God has given us. And so, solutions to this. How do we find solutions to jealousy? Well, before we do anything, we need to admit we're jealous. That's like the very first thing. We need to recognize the fact we're jealous. And we need to recognize that the reason you resent people or other people that you're jealous of has nothing to do with them. The reality is, you're not getting what you want. We're not getting what we want. And so because of that, the first thing we need to do is go to God. We need to go to God in prayer. Because the source of the problem is our concern with God. And we need to go to Him and ask Him for help. And maybe, maybe the reason we don't have what we're looking for is because we haven't asked God. Maybe if we ask him, he will actually give us what we need and what we're seeking. Um, James uh, 4.2 says, you, have, you do not have because you do not ask. Now, some of us will say, Joe, I already did that. It didn't happen. What are you talking about? And what that basically means is I prayed about it and God didn't answer. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, maybe God said no, and he's allowed to do that. He's God. And it's true. Um, maybe, maybe God said no. And oftentimes when I look at my life, when I've prayed for something or when I've asked for something and God said no, looking back, I, I'm thankful because maybe I didn't need that in that season or maybe there was something better that God had in store for me. And so maybe God said no, but also maybe God's saying not yet. And so we need to pray for persistence. We need to pray that God will give us patience to continue um, to seek out what we're looking for. And so if you're looking for, example, if you're looking for a, a good, healthy spouse that loves the Lord, keep praying for that. Now, it may not be that specific person that's right in your eye line, but keep praying for those good things. Those are good things to pray for. But also, third thing, maybe we need to check our hearts with asking God. Maybe we're asking for selfish things. You know, um, in James 4, 3, it says, you ask and do not have because you ask wrongfully. You spend it on your passions. Maybe we're asking for things that aren't actually in God's will. We're asking for things that are totally benefiting us. 
First uh, John 5.14 says this, though, that if we ask anything according to his will, will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked him. We need to ask things according to God's will. And learning from Saul's life, he didn't do this. Saul only went to God and asked things from God when it totally benefited him, when he was going into battle or other things like that. And God didn't respond to him anymore. He stopped talking to him. And so because of this, Saul went to this witch to try to summon up his friend Samuel to ask for advice. And Samuel gave him advice that he didn't want to hear. He said to Saul that um, the kingdom was finally going to be taken away from him, and in the battle that he was going to go into tomorrow, um, it was going to take his life, which happened. And Saul abandoned the counsel of the Lord when he really needed to go to God first and really work on his heart. And so that's the first thing we need to do is we need to not fall in the trap of Saul, but go to God first. And then second thing we need to do is we need to celebrate others. Man, if, if you're feeling jealous about someone, if you're frustrated with someone, we need to celebrate. Because Andy Stanley even says, there is no greater habit to strengthen your heart against jealousy than celebration. We need to celebrate those around us who maybe have what we covet, because um, that'll give us humi- humble hearts and really praising them and what God is doing in their lives. I want to share uh, just a specific example of experience in my life. Um, here's a photo coming up of just some of my friends at my wedding. Um, and. Uh, you know, uh, Ronnie on the far right, and then the handsome worship leader, Kent, in the middle, um, and then my friend Doug as well. And um, I'm actually a part of a community, and we're part of a community in our network called um, Pastors in Training, and it raises up pastors in the H2O network, and I include Sean Salata and other men in this church as well. And with being in Pastors in Training, you may not know this, but we are very assessed on everything that we do. Um, whether it's how we lead others, how we disciple, how I know when I get off the stage, I'm going to have someone talking in my ear, giving me some advice on how I can continue to grow as a communicator. Um, and it's easy with being in this community to get jealous if we're not careful. It's easy to fall into a spot where you're like, oh man, they did a great job, or man, God's using them in a cool way. You know, and it's easy to fall into jealousy. But we have a culture where we celebrate. We love celebrating each other. And that's a habit that we've built because we know how sacred that is and how valuable it is to continue to love one another through celebration. And it's cool being in a community. These group of men know my strengths, they know my weaknesses, and they want to continue to celebrate me to continue to grow, and I do the same for them. And I want you to know you need to find a community like this that you can celebrate them and they can celebrate you because that's a great joy to have. And then all of a sudden, we're not trying to compare ourselves. We're trying to grow towards the goal of becoming more and more like Jesus and hopefully, you know, continuing to be used by him. And so this, these are the remedies to jealousy. As, as we close today, here's the thing, guys. This starts in the heart. Ultimately, the reality of finding freedom from jealousy comes from internally seeking Jesus and asking him to change our hearts. The only thing that can change our hearts is knowing what Jesus did on the cross, that he paid for your jealousy and your sin already. And so we can trust him, and we can know that God doesn't owe us anything. All we actually deserve is death and God's wrath for our sin. 
And so what we need to do is we need to go to him and ask him to change our hearts. And, we, and I love what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Listen, if we continue to live in jealousy, we're going to drift further and further from God, and this is going to create more and more pain in our lives. But if we go to God and we ask him for help, he will change our hearts and make us new. And so as we go today, guys, here's the thing. We're going to worship God today, and I want you to be here. If you're struggling with jealousy, maybe you're jealous at someone else, I want you to first admit it. Admit you're jealous. And second, we need to ask for forgiveness. And maybe some of us in this room, we need to first go to God and worship and ask him for forgiveness for the jealousy in our hearts. But then also, there might be some phone calls you have to make this week. Maybe some of us have acted on jealousy and made someone else's life really hard, and we need to make it right. And we need to go to them. Maybe it's a text that you have to send after this. Maybe it's going up to someone after service in this room and really ask them for forgiveness. And then from there, guys, we need to start celebrating and living out, celebrating others um, and praising what God is doing in their lives. So I love you guys. I'm so excited for you, and I know there's hope for you. And so if you need to talk to one of us after the service, we'll have staff in the back, um, but the band will come up now, and I'll pray us out as we go out of, on our day. So.